Hey gang, this is Andy Zook. Welcome back to Bad at Parties. Our podcast is officially one month old, so if you're just jumping in, Bad at Parties is a weekly one-on-one podcast where artists talk about how their minds work and the ways in which it affects what they create. If you like what you hear, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bad at Parties Podcast and subscribe via your preferred podcast listening application. Glad to have my good friend and amazing musician, Matt Goodwin, on the show. Matt and I have been working on writing songs around each other over the past few years, and I can honestly say he is one of the most intentional songwriters I've ever met. Matt is also actively in a graduate program in mental health, so things get introspective this week. Check out Matt's music at windowviewmusic.com or find Windowview on Spotify. Okay, have at it. Matt Goodwin. He's just doing what a smart like creature would do. This made me sick. I'm not going to eat it again. Right. I, I think like that was why I stopped drinking coffee is because I was starting to get headaches and I was getting stomach aches and I just felt a lot of social anxiety. But also I was up to the point where I was drinking like four cups a day. Yeah. What was it like the first like week of not having coffee? Um, the first week of not having coffee was painful. It was so sleepy. I think that it was more unpleasant not having alcohol than it was not having coffee. Really? Yeah. Because, um... Because you were also addicted to alcohol. Right. <laughs> but then, you know, I got in the 12-step program. <laughs> no. Um, I have been to AA, though, but yeah. not for myself, like, back when I was working at the at-risk youth home. Yeah. I would go to the AA with kids and, like, be there with them. That was weird. <laughs> yep. Um, not that there's anything wrong with AA. I think yeah. it's great. I think it's a tight program. But, um, yeah, like, not drinking alcohol is definitely, like, part of kind of that habitual act of just, like, oh, I got home, I'm done with work, I want to have a drink, that feels nice. Yeah. Or, like, especially going to a show. Like, going, playing a show, getting two free drink tickets, and just being like, well, I'm going to give these away to somebody. That sucks. Yeah, and it feels good to drink alcohol. It time. feels really it takes good. takes the edge off the day. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's why I started buying LaCroix. Look, I've heard it's LaCroix. Yeah, get out of here with that LaCroix. Yeah. It's LaCroix. It, so you know what the thing is, is they like, they they took the French word and they're like, we're going to officially declare the pronunciation to be incorrect and make that the official pronunciation because we don't believe that people will be able to pronounce it correctly. Is that and really? it rhymes with a river nearby where we... <laughs> like, that's what, I've, that's what I've heard. So they, it's officially pronounced LaCroix according to the company, but the French word... That they culturally, like, appropriated for their drink is croix. But here's what they've done right, is they did this. How many times have you had this conversation yeah. about how do you it's pronounce la croix? Like, I have no... I've had that conversation with so many people. It's yeah. like, what's the right way to do it? Like, good job. If you're going to start a drink company and you're like, <laughs> well, it's just seltzer water. Well, let's make it really hard to say. Yeah. And then people are going to talk about it a lot. And let's make the official pronunciation wrong to frustrate people to mm-hmm. talk about it more. Yeah. Like, look at Pagliacci's pizza. Oh, Pagliacci. Pad, the, do you say the G like a D? Pagliacci's. I thought it was Pagliacci. Like, don't <laughs> say the G. You're much more Italian than I am. <laughs> do you really say Pagliacci? I've, yeah, I have some, I have a friend who works there and he said, yeah, you just say the G like it's a D and then it's just Pagliacci's. But I thought, like, you know that movie with Ben Affleck, Jiggly or something? I thought the pronunciation was Jiggly. Great. Because I don't say that, that second G. I've never seen it, but, like, no. the word haunts me still. Yeah. 
Pagliacci, though, definitely a point of debate. Pagliacci. Definitely the conversation you have is, okay. how do you say it? But it's not Pagliacci, it's just like Pagliacci. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of close to Pagliacci. Mm-hmm. And then it's a little, a little cheap. Yeah. But you don't say Pagliacci either. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're not having this conversation about Zeke's Pizza. No. Equally good. So what you're saying is any new business, you should just use a foreign word that's right. hard for I mean, look at all the bands pronounce. that come out and they, a band comes Bonnie out Vare. and they mispronounce their name. Or Bon Iver. Yeah. 100%. Bon Iver? Or you misspell it. Yeah. Yep. Which is like also a good way to get away with, well, I can't use that word because that's copywritten, but if I just misspell yeah. it. Reliant K. <laughs> yeah. They miss, They changed the spelling of their band name because it's a car. Dude, do you know how many times that band has come up on this podcast? Really? Just once. Because no one's talking about <laughs> Reliant K. <laughs> I love Reliant K. I'm so stoked for their new album. Are they coming yeah, out with a new album? July Matt 20, Thiessen. July 22nd, man. Oh, man. Yeah. You know who else is coming out with a new album? is Switchfoot. Which that, I'm also excited about. Good. Yeah. yeah. I, I will listen to that. I... I, I say that because I won't listen to the new Reliant K album. Um, unless you play it, then I'll listen to it. Yeah. Um, Switchfoot uh, is having a new album. Do you know what it's called? It's called Where the Light Shines Through. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. How long has it been since they put out an album? Um, it, the last one came out when we were living together. So, a couple years? Mm-hmm. Two and a half years? Yeah. Three Not years. that long. That guy... He's pretty consistent. Yeah. He puts out stuff all the time. And he also released four solo EPs in between then and now. Really? Yeah. I haven't listened to that at all. Just as John Foreman? Yes. Dude, yeah. that's great. Yeah. His, um, I don't think I've listened really to anything except for like that first album that he put out. Um, the one that had Southland Train on it. Yeah. That's yep. the fall EP. The fall EP. Yep. Those, mm. those seasons... If you want, on this podcast, I can just talk about how much I know about John Foreman and Switchfoot <laughs> instead of myself. Right. And I'll probably have, it'll probably be more interesting, and there'll be more well, content. You, I mean, you sound a lot like John Foreman. Yeah, I get that. I could just pretend uh-huh. that I'm John Foreman. I do. <laughs> 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 Fuck, Matt, I can't stand talking to him. Oh, it's John Foreman. I'll just get away with talking to him instead. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, like, a super big influence on you, I know. And, like, listening to his music, you've gone to his shows. Yeah. Um, I wonder about that, that feeling, though, of, like, when you recognize that your influence is starting to permeate your craft, and you're yeah. seeing, like, oh, my voice is maybe sounding a little bit more like him, maybe <laughs> my, my word, like, my style of writing, I'm sure. going to use some of the same words, or some of the, I might use a phrase, even. Like, I know I do that, too, and I know who my people are, but, like, how do you respond to that acknowledgement of, like, I am similar, or, like, I, I have similarities to X artist. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> in high school, like, going to their concert, um, I think it was right before The Beautiful Letdown came out, which mm-hmm. was, like, their big album that kind of got them famous. Yep. Um, famous. Um, for me. Uh, and, and I went to their show, and I was just like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I was just like, that is, it changed everything. And I remember writing about it in English class, like, the next week, because it was like, one of those stream of consciousness classes where just write, just write, just write. So I wrote about that. And then um, basically most of high school and college, I just wanted to be John Foreman. Mm -hmm. So that was like, and I remember I had some friends in high school that I I loved Switchfoot and, and they were always kind of like, "Mm, they're not very good. Right. We're going to like make sure that you know that we don't like them. And so it became kind of a source of insecurity. Yeah. You need those friends who are telling you like, Hey, you're idle. Eh, 
They're yeah. all right. Which is always really hard for me, though. It's so hard. Nobody wants it, but we need it. I felt, like, kind of stupid about always wanting to listen to The Beautiful Letdown and Switchfoot, and, and like, they had a new record come out, and they had this song called Stars, and we were, like, out camping, and we like, let's listen to the Stars song, because there's stars here. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's stars in the sky, there's stars in the song. And, like, we get like, it. We get nah, that. We don't want to listen to that song. Yeah. We, even, even with the stars. Yeah. So, but... Feel the same about it <laughs> as we did during the day. Yeah. <laughs> the lack of sun has not changed this. Um, but I think, I think there was definitely a... It, it sometimes feels hard to wear your influences on your sleeve as much as you do sometimes because mm-hmm. then it makes you feel a little insecure about like, oh, they're just going to they're gonna see exactly who I really am, which is just a copy of this person. Mm-hmm. And that I don't have any interesting qualities of my own. And that I'm just like a less good version of this other person that I'm trying to be like. But I think what happens when you maybe start to become secure, which you can maybe check back in with me in a few years when I've done that. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that as well. Um, is that you start For to, you, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> just, just throws you under the bus. No, yeah, for um, myself. Yeah. As you start to like be okay with like, yeah, you know what? I really like Switchfoot. And yeah. that band and that guy who writes those songs in that band had a really big impact on, on my life and like and, but I also think I started to diverge a little bit from the way he writes in, um, in a way that felt more like I was carving out my own space. Totally. And there was like a process of being like, I don't think they're the greatest thing in the world anymore. And then kind of coming back to it after kind of establishing who I thought I was and being like, I still really like this guy. Yeah. I mean, I was, also yeah. not everything now. I was talking about this on the last episode with Lexi, um, with about how way, like, Taylor, our good friend Taylor, used to always say, like, know who your influences are before somebody else does. Like, be the person who figures out what you sound like, because then you have control. Then you can either own it or you can avoid it. But, like, if if someone is trying to make fun of you or challenge you, like, be the one who's aware of it first. Because then you, you start off being like, of course I sound like them. I'm doing that on purpose. Like, that puts you in the seat of power. Not only socially, which, or like in the imaginary conversations that you have in your mind, which we all do, but also in the like, the, that state of like, okay, I sound like this person, I need to adjust slightly. Or when I'm, I'm drifting too close, I need to like correct course and say like, oh, that whole first verse sounds exactly like the first verse of this song. I have to adjust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's always important to find the seat of power. Yeah. In everything. The seat of power. Dude, um, that Sesame Street <laughs> riff on, uh, what was it called? Game of Chairs. Yes. yes. <laughs> we just watched that, that stupid yeah. Facebook thing. The seat of power, yeah. Um, no, I think, uh, I think you just have to be okay with where you, it's like being okay with where you came from. Yeah. You know, like, I'm... I'm okay with the fact that for a long time and probably still like I well I like learned how to sing by singing along with their records. Yes. Like because I was a t- way too afraid to sing in front of people, mm-hmm. and I was afraid to sing in my house because my parents used to like try to have these really sweet conversations with me. They would be like, Matt, like we you're a really good guitar player and you write really good songs. You should find someone who's really good at singing. Oh my god! And, and then you can like be good. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
I was like, well, I can't sing at home anymore. That's not safe. Rather than encourage you, <laughs> help you, like, it seems like you have a desire for this. Just say, like, you know, maybe, maybe not that. Maybe don't do that anymore. Right. That's, that's so funny. And they, like, I, I remember having a conversation with them in college after I had a gig where I didn't, I didn't play very well. Like, I was nervous and I sang poorly. And my mom was, like... I think she pretty much said the same thing, and I was like, I had to like convince her. I was like, you know what? I am a good a good singer. I just didn't sing well tonight, but I, I'm good. She's like, and I remember she was like, okay, because I, I was worried. I was worried. I'm glad you told me that you're good. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, this is weird to still be having this conversation. That's um, so funny to me. But I was always super insecure about my about singing because there's. I was always insecure about my body and, like, dancing and, like, there's something very personal and very connected with your body about, like, singing and expressing yourself. It's, right. like, very well, you're much... A, you're a taller guy, and I yeah. think that when you're a taller guy, like, if you're six foot or above, which both of us are, like, we hit this moment where you're going through a growth, st- like, spurt, and all of your friends are, and they kind of, I think it stretches them out, but you get so, like, lanky that you're just like, yeah. it's like trying to hold hands in your hands that stick out an extra inch and kind of walk on like platform shoes yeah. and then, you know, go through middle school life hiding a boner and like just <laughs> get through like just just trying to be a musician in middle school or trying to like do play sports in middle school or yeah. anything like that. So you just learn to be like, okay, you're, you're uncomfortable with your body. Yeah. 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 And... Definitely. And uh, so I was like, okay, the only safe space for me to sing is I'll shut the door in my room and, pre- and when I leave my room, I'll pretend like nothing was happening. Hmm. I wasn't singing. You didn't hear that. No. Yeah. Hear what? So, and that was just a game I played with myself, you know, and then I would sing in the car all the time. Anytime I stepped in the car, I'd put on like a switcher record and I knew every single line, yeah. every single like melody and I learned to sing. So I picked up a ton of his mannerisms and I thought he was like, God's gift to like pop rock. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, so when I sound like him, it's like, yeah, because that's, that's the space that I learned how to like inflect in, in mannerism, mm-hmm. like to like, to sound like you're a singer. Yeah. Like I didn't always have the right technique or the right pitch at that point, but I learned like little mannerisms and cool stylings and you know, other people along the way I would do that with, but that was like, that was my safe space mm-hmm. to like pretend I was like the, the singer. Yeah. You know, I think that's so beautiful in that, like it, it owns like, no, I'm not inherently like somebody who just like was always a good singer. <laughs> I think that I very much am somebody who like, yeah, I've, I can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't singing. And I know that I wasn't always a great singer, but I was always encouraged to sing. And yeah. just like, I think that it's that practice that in just constantly engaging with it, that made me like to come to a place where I'm like, no, I'm a good singer. I like singing yeah. and people like it. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I feel that way about guitar. I feel super self-conscious because so many of my friends are just like, yeah, I played guitar in middle school or in like bands or like that was just what I did. And I was always more inclined to be like, Oh, I'm just going to sing for these different things. And so now I'm coming to this place where, you know, I've only had a few years where I've been playing electric guitar and I'm just come trying to be like, no, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe I'm not as good as other people, but I'm just going to continue practicing. And I'm going to continue to get better. And yeah. just like saying like, so what if I'm not great right now? Maybe you're not like, maybe you're somebody who's in your mid-20s and you're not a great singer. Yeah. 
who says that you can't become one? Like, yeah. why should you stop learning? Like, yeah. maybe you're in your 40s and you want to become your a, a singer. 50s, fuck you. You might die soon. No. Like, keep singing. No. <laughs> stop trying. I think, there, you've, like, you hit on something really interesting there because it's like, why is it that as kids we're able to learn besides yeah. the fact that our brains at that point are, are like, hardwired for it. But I think that there's something to the fact that when you're kids, you just suck at everything. Yeah. But it's not because you're not good at it. It's because you've been around for like four years of consciousness and you've only had that much time to try things. And so mm-hmm. if everyone just told you when you tried something new as a kid, you suck at that. Why you mm-hmm. should try something different? There'd be nothing else to try because no. you ha- haven't learned how to do anything well, yet. Well, I mean, you look at it from a kind of like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs type thing where as a child, all of your needs on the lower levels taken care of. You're not worrying yeah. about like, are you secure <clears throat> socially? Okay, let's assume that you're in like a healthy stable household because a lot of times you're not but if you're like let's assume um but your your social life is taken care of you're secure of your relationship with your family you know where food is coming from you have a shelter over your head all these lower level things that need to be secure for higher level like self-actualization to happen are secure um you look at the idea of like, if you're in a crisis state or if you don't know what things are going to happen in your life, your amygdala is filled with blood because you're in a flight or fight state. And so you don't know how to... You yeah. can't learn as well. You can't remember things as well. Yeah. And as we get older, we have those stressed out panic yeah. moments. We don't know how to learn as well because it's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't have time to learn. I have to get food. Yeah. I have to pay rent. Yep. It's if we if we were in that constant state of security of self of like being taken care of, like could we not be lifelong learners at the same at the same ratio that we were as children? Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, I think um, and I think part of I feel like part of that is um, we have this perception I think that feeds into our fight or flight since like the sensation of that we have this perception that we're not okay yeah like that what we're doing is not good enough it's not enough and and like we're not we're not where we thought we would be or we try something new and it's not good enough mm-hmm. and whereas when we're kids we try something new and everyone's like that was so great keep doing it and then the, their mind they're like they'll be they you know, they're trying to encourage us to learn. Right, like you're we, reinforcing because yeah. it's like, maybe you're not great right now, but I'm going to teach you yeah. how to be a learner. And if we took that posture towards ourselves as adults, then maybe we would learn more things. Totally. Maybe I, we'd be like, it's okay that I suck right now because I haven't had any time to not suck. And in fact, the process of learning to not suck is really valuable too. So, so true. Which is like, I think about the best times where like I've grown as a musician or in any artist, like standpoint has been when I'm surrounded by other artists who are doing activities as well where I can share my like activities receive reinforcement and critique in the same space because then I'm like I feel secure about what I'm doing I feel like this is a safe space like you talk about like have a safe space to share your creativity but it's so true because it is that learning environment where you're not afraid and you are receptive to change yeah. 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 I think that I've always been afraid of the situations. Right. <laughs> because, like, when you start out and you're like. Well, you, I mean, you just described yeah. your childhood so, as not that. So, like, that's going to inherently say, like, don't do this. You have to do this yeah. by yourself. Well, my reaction to that was, like, I'm going to show them 
how great I am mm, by being mm-hmm. perfect. Right. Like, I'm going to put out perfect music, and no one's going to be able to say that it's not good. Right. And so, and that, that helped me, like, get good at it, and helped me, like, you know, I, I like, pirated auto-tune plugins when I was, like, in high school and learned how to use them and sing, it would sing parts, like, hundreds of times until they were perfect. Yeah. Which is probably me learning how to sing. Right. Well, and it's that funny thing where you unintentionally also learned how to be a better producer. Like, yeah. I, I think that that's one of my favorite elements of, like, what you do musically is, like, you don't look at music as, like, a, oh, I wrote this song, I'm really focused on these words, or I'm really focused on this guitar part. It's, like, when you send me something, like, you text me something, like, hey, look at this song. It has bass and drums and guitars and vocals, and it's, like, got a nice EQ, and it sounds good throughout and it's got a nice like arc to it and you're just like yeah oh I just I just whipped that up because that is such like a a structure in which you present things that has now become like it seems from an observer standpoint it seems like that is such uh unnecessary that you're not even thinking about it that you're just like oh yeah I'm gonna I'm just gonna be produced well yeah and I guess sometimes you get these skills and maybe they're you know, the, the the abused child that's trying to survive that lives in the street or something might learn a really lot of valuable lessons because mm-hmm. of the trauma yeah. or the things, the pain that they were put through. Like, pain is, you know, hard, but it also, like, creates a lot of growth in us. And so, like, yeah, I have these skills to produce music now that came out of, like, a desire to make really good music, but also because I wanted to, like, prove to myself and to others that I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And I think the like I was telling you earlier, there's this this music that I sent you like feels a lot different and the reason for that is that um i think i've been in a process the last few years of really letting go of that initial like this needs to be perfect mm. and then like that transition to as an adult like i need to have the perfect music career mm-hmm. like i need to be doing all the right things but it's like i don't like that that may or may not happen um and but i can and when it didn't happen hasn't happened <laughs> what what happened is I got really depressed and like yeah. I had bands that I rehearsed with for like a year and a half where we like and then the drummer like moved to Vegas yeah true story yep true so, story and um and I just got really depressed and like I had two of my best friends in a band and then that band broke up and those relationships like took took a toll on those relationships and that was depressing mm-hmm. and then I had more friends being a band with me and then they're like I don't want to do this anymore and then that was depressing so yeah it just was over and over and over disappointments and like, and how do I, and recently it's been how do I allow myself, because at that point music had become this thing that was a reminder of how I'd failed and how things mm, had worked mm-hmm. out and how things were going to betray me and how people were never going to stick around Yeah, and you can't trust them. And so I really had to like let go of music and be like, this has become a source of harm in my life. Mm, yeah. It's just reminding me about all these things that haven't got yet or I didn't do right or the ways I failed or the way other people had failed me mm-hmm. and so it was like I'd pick up my guitar and I'd be like it would just be this wave of negativity and self-criticism mm-hmm. and maybe um, sort of like doomsdaying and morosity about like why why would you write it's not going to happen like no one's going to hear this anyways and, mm-hmm. and I mean I can totally yeah. relate to that feeling yep. so the change for me happened was just like, well, I'm going to stop playing music for a while because this has become harmful to me. Yeah. And I'm going to let it go and try to like realize with or without music and with or without success in music, I'm still good. I'm still okay. Yeah. And just separating your sense of value from what you're creating. Yeah. To say like, those are two independent things. I can write or not write and I'm still as good as I've ever been. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what do you feel like was the, the result of that? How long did that, like, yeah. separation last? Well, the... So I think that the most pure, like, experience I've ever had with music wasn't me writing songs and singing. Hmm. It was when I picked up the guitar in, like, fourth grade and, like, was... Because my dad played guitar and I used to watch him and I was like, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. And that was such a very pure thing and because he looked like he was having so much fun and it was expressing himself and he mm-hmm. sounded really good and I'm like I want to do that so I pick up the guitar and I learned how to play like blues scales and like and a few chords and like learned how to solo it was the first thing I'd ever done and that that feels like the kind of like very pure childlike thing and then it was like later on I learned people write songs and they sing them and I'm like that sounds fun mm. but then I think ever since then I've been working to try to like push myself into that box really really and I and I've done a good job at it like yeah i've learned how to write songs like 100 percent. but there's always been this like i think thing that's attached to it that says um that's me trying to prove my value Mm. and so i think i'm not really sure the songwriting part of it has ever been pure which is okay yeah um but it's always been attached to this like i am a songwriter i need to prove that i'm a songwriter like i need to be prolific i need to write 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 and after that, so your, your question, how long did it last, what happened, um, I think I'm starting to grow into letting the songwriting and the production and all those things that were kind of attached to, like, you need to prove yourself, your parents don't think you should be, you're good enough for this. Right, like, bands are leaving yeah. you, people are not supporting yeah. you. Like, how can I reapproach this thing from a place of, like, let's just play, like a kid would play. Mm. You know, not like play music, but like just play, like playfulness. Preach. And the, yeah, the fun thing about those songs that I sent you is that like they started out and I, and and this comes in a season of me learning to just be okay with myself and like, and be more kind to myself. And this is after two years of therapy and, you know, all this. Yeah. Um, But how can I, and like, again, with my voice, like how can I not be a perfectionist and just sing? And, and not try to make it perfect. Yeah. And on those recordings, like, I didn't use any voice correction. I did most of the stuff in a few takes. And the cool thing about how those songs started is, like, I don't know if you caught this, but, like, the the first, the second one I sent you, I just played four chords on the piano, I looped it, and mm-hmm. then I started, like, literally picking up objects on my desk. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was listening to the drum parts as I was yeah. like, oh, man, how did Matt record those drums? And I was listening, and I was like, I think he's just hitting shit. Yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what I was doing. And it was so much fun and I was like smiling and sitting there like um I had this little SM57 like mic sitting on my desk and I like had a and I just started drumming on the desk and I was like, "Hey, I should re- just record the drumming." And so yeah. I just literally hitting a desk and um and then I picked up this like piece of wood that I had and started scratching it on the cover of a book. Mm. And it sounded kind of like a... Just like engaging in some like found sound and just... Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what a child is doing. A child is... I mean, you talked about like getting back to that kid, pure state, is literally just exploring the sounds around you. Yeah. I was just playing. You're just playing. Yeah. You're just like, I don't know. What if I touch... If I create friction between these two objects, what what produces? Yeah. Is that not music? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there there was just such a desire for this not to be to try to sound like something or try to prove to anything or to myself that I was good. It was just like, let's just enjoy the process. Let's play. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And like, I think what came out of it was like a a sound that feels like 
like I think my friend my friend Megan who lives upstairs came down and listened. She's like these. It sounds like I don't remember exactly what she said, but basically that you're not trying as hard. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds more at rest. Yeah. And because it felt like that when it was being created, and it was like such a such a relief because mm. I wasn't like there was nothing at stake anymore. Yeah. You know, it was just like these are songs about like really hard moments in my life like those two and like um and also like but really honestly like bled those moments and felt them strongly and didn't try to like i think the songwriting too the lyrics and all that reflect the similar space that i'm in of like this is who i am (laughs) this is what's happened to me this is what i've been through and this is how i feel about it and i'm not trying to like make some proclamation about how life is or who i am or who god is it's just like this is what happened right well, and I think that that's so true. Like you said, making a proclamation, it's when you stop. I, I think you can get outside it when you stop, like picturing somebody that you're trying to convince of a thing. Yeah. Like you're, you stop writing these things for somebody else. When you're, when you're just enjoying something, you're just playing with something. You don't have this like, yeah, this is when this person hears this song, I bet they're finally going to think X that I've been thinking for so long. They're yeah. finally going to pick it up. It's just like, you know what? Who cares? Who yeah. cares? Like, I'm not going to control people's thoughts with this. And that's such a hard, that's such a hard thing is I, I'll write a song and it's really just for one person. Yeah. And all of a sudden I want everyone's affirmation on it. Mm-hmm. And really that one person, it's not really for them because it's me trying to push an idea on them or for something on them. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think the, I forget I read this. There's like your experience like you'll never be able to convey to someone else the full significance of something you've experienced. Right. And if you try, you'll actually end up robbing that experience Mm. because you'll, you'll like, like you have this great experience the next day you try to tell someone about it and they don't get it and you try to tell them again and they don't get it. You try to tell it again and more and more you try, the more it feels like you're kind of scraping out the barrel of like what happened to try and get a reaction that was similar to yours. it, It disrespects them. It disrespects your audience. You take this from like a musician standpoint or a conversational relationship standpoint. When you're saying like, this is the perspective or the conclusion you have to come to, <laughs> it disregards their ability to, to be an intelligent human being and come to a different conclusion. Yeah. Like, um, trying to control them. Yeah, I was hanging out with uh, Bears and Other Carnivores and talking with like everybody about like some songs that I wrote and I was about to explain something and... Like, Ellen was just, or maybe it was Aaron. I don't know. They're all the same people. <laughs> One that somebody was just like, uh, I don't actually, I think actually both of them were like, yeah, I don't really want to know what the, your songs are about. Which, like, at first was kind of offensive to me. Yeah. But then it was, they were like, well, it's just like, I have an idea about what it is. And I want to be able to think about that. Sure. I don't want to, like, it feels yeah. like spoilers for you to just say, like, here, this is what you're supposed to receive from the song, which is, I want to do that. I want to tell people, like, hey, receive X from the song. But if I do that, I rob them of the opportunity to come to a different conclusion. Yeah. That'd be like if an author, if you pick up a novel, and it, at the first that's thing it so says, good, like, yeah. here's the moral you're supposed to receive. Yeah, that's so good, yeah. Like, that's that's Sunday school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like a cult. Yeah. You know? That tells you, like, here's the conclusion you're supposed to come to. Yeah. No. And the funny thing about trying to control other people is the more you try to do it or control situations, the more you are controlled by that. 
Mm. And so in trying to like... Did you write down these quotes beforehand? <laughs> Where are these going? No. This is... This like, is... I keep on being like, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Body chills. <laughs> That's such a good statement. Yeah. Right, sorry, go on. Um, like I recently changed my, my... I shouldn't say this on a podcast. That's all right. I changed my Gmail password to like this mantra that I... This is... You can edit this out later. That's, no, to, well, uh, I don't edit anything to on this. this. So I was reading this book by Richard Rohr. Um... And he said, like, the, the, like, posture of the ego is, in which he, like, sort of equates with the part of us that is selfish. And if you're, you know, Christian, you might call it the flesh. If you're, you know, not a Christian, you might call it the, the asshole inside of you. I don't know. Yeah. But it wants to, like, attach to things and be re- re- repulsed by things. Hmm. Like, attachments and revulsions. Hmm. Um, I think repulse and, re- and revulsion is the same thing. Um, yeah. I don't have a conversations. Yeah, I'm not gonna fight it. Um, but what the soul wants to do, which I guess you could say is more your true nature, yeah, or um, is desire, your id, whatever yeah. you want to have. Yeah, it's desire, love, and let go. Mm. And in 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 that in those like three things, like we're talking about trying to control people, if if you sort of, sort of desire, you have a desire to share something. Um, like how do you, like if you just start there and then you go to like, I have a detachment to them wanting to receive it a certain way, Hmm. then you're not loving them well Hmm. and you're definitely not letting it go. Mm -mm. And then you end up, um, kind of trapped in this place where you need a certain outcome to feel good and you need a certain like set of things to like feel happy Mm -hmm. and, um, and, but if you desire and then you think about, okay, how can I love this person? And then how can I let it go? Whatever happens. Because that's like relationship with a human. Like if you, if you I have a desire to be with someone, um, I try to love them. And at that point you have to let go because you, there's no guarantee. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee that they're going to be alive tomorrow, mm-hmm. that they're going to love you back, that you're going to be alive. Like all these things are out of your control and the more you try to control the outcomes, the more it controls you and the less free you are and everyone else around you is and people will try to run from you. Absolutely. You're crafting a universe that says it has to be this way, it has to be this way and then you're not reflexive and receptive to the uh, the, the truth, the yeah. unknown truth around you. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Alan Watts, I just recently read this sitting on my table right here. Yeah, I was looking at that one. The Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts. Check it out. It's awesome. Um, he has a quote in it that if you try to hold your breath, you will lose it. But if you um, breathe out, you will get it back. Isn't that awesome? That's so good. Um, and that like, and I'm borrowing this book. Yeah, you Thank should. You. I read it in like two days. And uh, like, I'll just ruin the first half of it for you by saying like, what he's getting at is like you're gonna tell me what moral I'm gonna come to. You're, I'm gonna tell you. What I, I'm gonna tell you what I got. And you're yeah, free, no, that's totally you're good. You're free I'm, to come to your own conclusions, but the, uh, the basically it's, it's sort of like can sort of saying like self help is self harm. Yeah, and like in the idea that the more we, so if we, if I think so if I think that I need to change, and I expend a lot of energy trying to change and be different than who I am. Um, that I'm actually robbing from the energy that I have in the moment to just be who I am mm. and like moving it somewhere else that it doesn't belong and therefore I'm robbing from the moment. I'm taking away from the energy that was created for me to be who I am in this moment and trying to apply it to like 
force myself to be different, right? So I think that that, or that uh, perception is, is something that I'm trying to gain as well, or that perspective, that's what I'm trying to say, is something I'm trying to gain as well, and I love that. And I feel like the more that I'm talking with people who are kind of maybe like the front man type of a, of a role, or a songwriter, somebody who is in the, uh, uh, the origin of a creative process. Yeah. Um, that is something that I see to be true with them, and they're also in that place where they're, they're learning to do that. But when I talk with um, people who are used to being in a role where they're a supportive role, so someone who's like, oh yeah, what is your instrument? You know, we, we get defined so much by what is your instrument. <laughs> But someone's like, yeah, my instrument's the bass. Or, I knew you were going to say bass. Yeah, because it is inherently a supportive role. Like, there are some people who are like, no, I'm a solo bassist, and I'm never going to listen to their music. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to listen to it. Everybody's got a thing. I'm not going to listen to your slap bass album. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Um, but that's somebody who's I, I feel... Um, is so used to these ideas and used to these concepts. I think I, I've had like conversations like this with Abby Gunderson a bunch where she talks about, like, and that just seems to come from her so inherently because she's used to being in that supportive role as a musician and it flows into her life. And I see that in other people. Like you, you become someone who is listening to the primary instrument. You're listening to what songs yeah. are and you're learning how do you... How can I... Yeah support what's happening yeah and we as songwriters are not great at that (laughs) yeah and i think we become songwriters for a lot of different reasons but for me it was like the guy on stage is is like i guess in its pure purest it was like this guy is making me feel so much this person on stage who's writing these songs who's playing i'm like I feel so inspired. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, I need to prove to everybody around me that I can do this. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to throw way back to like when you were talking about John Foreman and how you were idolizing him and he yeah. was becoming this like, oh, I want to be that oh, yeah. type of person. You, uh, you do what you just said. You, you say like, that's what this looks like. That's what that's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And you limit your own ability sure. to become a musician based on your idol. I mean, you, you look at that with, like, family relationships, like, this is what a dad's supposed to be, this is what a son's supposed to be. Like, we look yeah. at models around ourselves, and we say, that's the only way that I can be that thing, yeah. rather than saying, like, I will be like no other father before. Like, if you're going to become a dad, like, I will be like no father before, because I've never been a father. Yeah. Like, I am going to be different, and that is good. Yeah. You know what I think that speaks to? Hmm. Like, the first way is, like, I'm attached, right? Yeah. Go back to the thing I just said. I'm attached to this idea of what a songwriter or a father should look like. Yeah. And I'm going to be re- repulsed if I do it wrong. Yeah. Whereas the other way is you're loving yourself. You're having a desire to be a songwriter or a father, or um, maybe you want to birth songs. Mm-hmm. Father of songs, Father right? of songs. Um, Mother of dragons. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, but you have desire, and then you have to love yourself enough to say, I'm just going to do the best I can, and whatever happens, happens. And and then letting go is like that whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Right? And you can't let go if you're like, this has to be this way. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So we, we talked about this a little bit, but relationships. It's like we, I think that musicians see themselves so much in that, like we talk so much more about relationships when it comes to talking about art because 
if you're a photographer, if you're a painter, if you're doing a lot of these visual mediums, yeah. uh, it's an independent process most of the time, except for, you know, the actual production or, or releasing it, or if you're doing, like, theater. Like, for, for the sure. most part, like, as a musician, you're being a part of a group, and you have to do these things relationally. Um, I think that it, how it's interesting to see how uh, you talk about music and you keep on coming back to relationship sure. ideas. Um, and I think, yeah, how do you feel like being a musician affects the way that you approach those types of relationships? Yeah, I think... I, think I didn't ask that question no, very well. I think to reframe the question a little Thank bit you. is to say like how... Do you think it, it works when you are being a certain way and then you try to be a musician? And the certain way is trying to prove yourself, trying to establish your value. And you're attached to mm -hmm. it looking a certain way and you're repulsed by it looking some other way. Mm -hmm. Which is like my failure, my not making it in music, my maybe having a different role than I thought I would. Like there's no, there's no letting go. Mm -hmm. There's certainly not very much love for yourself or for others and, and not much room for that. Yeah. Because when you... I think that's like... It's like when you... I have this picture in mind of a room and like when you're just attached and, re and you're attached to and re repulsed by things, you grow and grow and grow and there's no space for anyone else in that room. Mm -hmm. It's just you. Yeah. And then if people try to step into it, they're like stuck in the corner mm -hmm. and they don't want to be in that room. So they leave. Right. They're like, I'm going to leave this room because there's not space for me in here. Totally. I, I um, completely get that. I mean, even in the, the thought of like when you were talking about you're in a, you're singing by yourself quietly in your parents' house because the way they responded yeah. was not, like, something that you could share that space with them. Yeah. Like, I totally get that. Like, I'll be writing music, and if, like, Heather comes home all of a sudden, I'll be like, okay, I'm putting down the guitar. I'm yeah. going to stop. Because this is vulnerable. Because this is super vulnerable, the yeah. writing process. I think that, uh, you know, just sharing a home or being in an apartment where you share walls with someone, <laughs> yeah. like, you don't want... It's like someone catching you naked. It's like, <laughs> oh, I've got to make sure that all the blinds yeah. are closed... I've got to make sure that I'm yeah. keeping a towel in the room. Yeah, like, or if they, like, see me, i got to start flexing. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is some dating perspective. Yeah, because yeah. it's like if I'm playing this song and I'm just writing, I'm going to real quick switch to one I know really well and play it oh, really man. good. That, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. It's like, like flexing. Yeah, if I'm in the, if I'm in my apartment and I'm working on something and all of a sudden I hear, like, the door yeah. down, like, next to mine open, I know that, like, my neighbor right is now. going yeah. to walk their dog out into, like, the yard. I'll be like, oh, okay. This is now I'm going to stop writing and I'm going to start playing the song yeah. I know really well. I'm going to have a mini concert for the person that might be listening. Yeah, and it kills the artistic, or it kills yeah. the writing process because you're so in your head all of a sudden. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, I mean, that speaks to the, like, the greater, like, like, are you giving yourself space in your own rooms of your own, like, process mm -hmm. to feel, to be bad, to be in, in process, to be vulnerable and, like, maybe sing a wrong note, and it's like, when we let ourselves make mistakes, then we can learn and we can do things better, it's like, I feel, um... I mean, I think my parents, the reason why they said those things is because they were uncomfortable with their own imperfections. Mm. They were uncomfortable with things not being just right. Yeah. And they didn't know how to bear that in, like, their son trying to do music. And admittedly, I wasn't that great. Sure. I mean, I was talking about this on the podcast with Sheriffs where she is saying, like, her greatest fear is to come to the end of her life and realize, like, she has been told, like, her whole life that 
she's really good at something that she's actually bad at. Or, like, the That Thing You Do movie. She was saying, like, there's that, like, really awful girl band that's yeah. in this, and they're just, like, terrible, and then they're, like, everyone comes up and is like, oh, my gosh, you did so great. And she's like, that's my greatest fear. Yeah. And so, actually, like, there is a, a, a hardness, or, like, there's a hardship in, like, having your parents say, like, you're really not that great at this. But there's also such a joy in, like, being like, you're, I can trust you. I know that you're being honest with me in that. That's true, yeah. yeah. But I think the the thing for me is I always was sort of like then grasping for them to be like, this is good, right? This is going to prove what you said earlier to be incorrect, right? Mm. And when you're like looking for that and, and needing that, then it becomes messy and you're not doing music for the right reasons anymore. And But I, I do want to like touch again back on the like, how does it affect relationships? Because yeah. I think that's a really great question because music does happen in relationship with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you, you break up with someone and hell yeah, you're going to write some good songs. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, God, yeah, the <laughs> dating and being in bands it has a lot of... Uh, it's the same. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We've had to... we've definitely talked about how you've had to break up with people i think i i recently shared on the podcast i was talking about like my awkward like band breakup with chris hansen who and like and then i was just like well i guess i'll shout out on the podcast to him and he totally like like responded he was like hey man thanks for putting that and it was totally fine like yeah that's part of our story that's real that's yeah. okay yeah but like yeah you go through emotional turmoil like yeah yeah and you hurt people you get hurt by people and i think the thing that i've learned is that um, kind of my there's a cat walking in front of the mic right now hey Winston. hey Winston Winston's on the podcast Winston made it on the podcast what a good cat um, when you come into I mean having kind of learned later in life oh yeah this is what was happening I can see that now and of course you don't see that in the moment you're just you know fumbling around doing your, doing your thing and um, that sounded weird it's okay um, it's about sex yeah <laughs> cool. Um, you when you're coming into music and life from a place of I need to prove that I'm worth something. I need to prove that I'm valuable. I need to prove that I'm good, and that like and this thing is gonna do that. Mm-hmm. This music, yeah, that is a tough place for other people to inhabit and for them to feel cared for and and for them to have space. Mm-hmm. And that room becomes awfully tight again and awfully like limiting for them to move around and. Um, and I think as I kind of, the first band I was in, I felt things were kind of like, I could see them slipping out of my fingers and the more that they did, the more I tried to hold on. Yeah, absolutely. And and the more I tried to control, because I was like, I'm sensing you're not into this as much anymore. So I'm going to try and define that by saying, well, this is your role now. It's not as significant anymore. I'm going to decide that unilaterally. You you try to prevent, like you say, all right, I'm going to minimize the damage. Like, yeah, I'm either going to say like, you have to do this. So that that way I can quantify what you are. Yeah. Because my identity is wrapped up in what's happening and Mm -hmm. it's being threatened. And so I need, I'm now protecting my identity instead of caring for a person that is, that's my like dear friend. Yeah. I have done that to 100% of the people I've been in a band with, whether that was for, (laughs) uh, for days or for seconds. Like I have caught myself do that to every single person. And I've done that with every single person I've been in. Like I would say a romantic relationship with like you do that. That is part of how you, that's a defense mechanism. Cause I mean, romantic relationships too, you're trying to like 
most people go into those. I would say it's not a controversial thing to say that most people are entering into romantic relationships to try and like resolve some part of their identity. Yeah. Because they want part of their identity is I need to be with someone that's going to make me happy. And like this is what I've been told is something that's good to, to have in your life. I don't know. Dude, yeah. No, models. I mean, you're talking about models of like this is what this person's supposed to be like. Yeah. This is what I'm supposed to be like. This is what Matt is supposed like dating Matt is supposed to look like. Sure. Yeah. And and if your style of like attaching to those is like, I need this to feel okay. Yeah. I need this type of success, this type of relationship, this type of thing, then when it's being threatened, you start to get grabby. You start to hurt people, and so for me, the I feel like the reason the music has become a little bit more open-handed and, and more mm. like I can, you know, take wood and rub it on books, and that's a percussion instrument. Yeah, it's because I'm not my. There's nothing at stake anymore for me in that process. Well, I mean, of course, there's always a little bit, but yeah, like, it's not like who I am is on the line anymore. Right. I mean, and then it frees you up to to fail. Yeah. It allows you to have. An unsuccessful relationship. It allows you to have sure. an unsuccessful song. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think music in terms of the same as dating, where, like, when you are more secure with who you are, mm-hmm. and you don't need people, and you don't need it to look a certain way. Like, you always hear those frustrating stories about those musicians. Like, I just picked up a guitar, and, you know, now I'm Jack Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he didn't ever, like, the way I heard it, and sorry, Jack Johnson, if you're listening now, Yeah, love you. I just don't like the song <laughs> named Bubble Toes. It's always bothered me. Yeah. Um, but he kind of was like a surfer, and he was just like, I'm going to try to play guitar and play music. And he never really like put much into identity into yeah. it. And just all of a sudden, he's successful. You know what I think about those stories? I just think that they're lying. I just yeah. think if anyone's saying like, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of happen to this. Nobody just happens to play music. Like the people that that happens to are people who are seven and that they are legitimately just loving playing music, and their parents are crazy and force them into, like, spots, like, and somebody Justin Biebered them into, like, yeah. like, wow, you're really talented. I'm going to put you in all of these spots. Sure. Yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. I think the, like, the I just I just decided to not yeah. believe that lie. <laughs> I think it's, like, like, I heard a story about Johnny Depp that he wasn't really trying to be an actor. He was trying to be a musician or something. Right. And he got stuck in an audition, and all of a sudden they were like, we like you, and then he's succeeding at acting yeah. and I think there's something that's attractive about people not needing something yeah. like I don't need you and therefore I become more attractive in, in romance mm-hmm. like I, I have power now and I'm not saying you should exploit that but like it always seems to be the person who doesn't need the other person as much who ends up being wanted more mm-hmm. and I think there's something good about that it can be it can get messy but like about music too like I don't need this to succeed to be okay I think yeah. people can dis- can intuit that in the and when they're listening to the songs, when they're listening or watching you play, like there's a, a little bit more of a, a lightness to you. And when you're on stage and you're like exuding this, please like me, please like this song. If you don't, then I'm a failure. Yeah, yuck. There's I don't want to be about, around that. Yeah. That's toxic. I've yeah. totally seen that. Like when you're you're watching a show and it's just someone just trying so hard. Yeah. They they're copying things that look that they know have been successful and they're just trying to replicate an emotion. They're really seeking acceptance. Like you don't like that because you're like, no, be yourself. I want you to be vulnerable. Uh, I want you to be honest with me. Like, don't present to me what you think I want. Yeah. Present to me who you are and let me maybe just not like you. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. At least then I'll legitimately not like you. (laughs) <laughs> rather than being like, well, I don't even know what you are still. Yeah. 
you I kind you kind of just wasted my time. The uh, this reminds me of I was having a I was trying to tell my dad about Mike Birbiglia. Yeah, because I was like, I was like, I love Mike Birbiglia. Oh, God, did you see his new show? That's kind of oh yeah, we I texted you about that. That the, new uh, movie. I saw the trailer and I really would want to see that movie. Yeah, we're gonna watch that together. Great. What's um, it called? I don't. It's about like a. I know what it's about. That's yeah. You ask me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Yeah. Um, it looks really good. But I was. And my cat's in the litter box. Yeah. That's. That's on the podcast. That's on the podcast. Winston making two appearances. Um. Poopcast. Poopcast. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's totally good. You were talking to your dad about Mike Birbiglia. Yeah. Um. And I think that there's something about comedians that's really like like I didn't I didn't really think of comedy as art. For most of my life, I was just like, ah, oh, they're just making jokes. Totally. Can totally yeah. relate to that. And and I, I watched Sleepwalk With Me, where you see this guy going through his, like, process of trying to become a comedian and, like, telling the jokes that people think that that he that they, that they he thinks they want to hear and failing. Yeah. And then, like, kind of one night when he's at his wit's end, he just says something about his personal life. Yeah. And people, people love laugh. it. Yeah. yeah. People relate to it. And then, like, and then what happens... And this is what's, what's crazy to me about comedy. Like, when I get on stage, I've got a guitar. Mm-hmm. I've got a band, maybe. Mm-hmm. I've got a song, which is a metaphor or maybe like a, sh- like a, a layer between what happened yeah. and, and, and myself. You've got, like, security in that. Yeah, I've got all, props. All of these props. I've got all of these, like, maybe my song's an elaborate metaphor that's not very transparent. And so I can sort of sing about, you know, you know it, I can yeah. sing about space and time or something and it can like mean something that it doesn't mean totally you've got all these things that you can lean on yeah. so that if people don't like your personality maybe they'll like this yeah, yeah. he <laughs> talks about this in the movie yeah. he's like when he's like when people say they don't like me it's not because like I didn't like your you know song very much it's like I didn't like you as a person right I totally I, I totally just killed the punchline yeah it. well no oh it's well. okay Fine, right? that's why I'm not a comedian we're on the same page which is which is great the, yeah. uh, but the thing that like struck me about these is is like which is why I feel like I'm loving comedy right now is that it's so pure and, and like there's no yeah you can get up there and bullshit people and just be funny if you're really good at that but I really am drawn to the people who are which I feel like what Mike Birbiglia does he, yeah he tells stories about his life from a perspective sure that's unique because that's who he is and there's no music between him and this audience there's no instruments sure it's I mean just you, there's, him and his story yeah it's kind of there's so all these vulnerable yeah there's all these different like perspectives in comedy you can be more of like a Jim Gaffigan or like uh, 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 Jerry Springer where you're, Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld where you're doing like kind of more observational humor yeah. but there's like this new kind of more modern wave uh, of comedians that is being super vulnerable, it's very vulnerable. That that yeah. is telling stories that has like, ha, ah, it's very yeah. unique. I, I was listening to um, Mike Bur- no uh, Pete Holmes's podcast. I forget who he was talking with, but they were talking about comedians as like the new era of like rock stars, and it's so. Is your cat okay? I have to. I think he's got shit on his leg. Okay. <laughs> he's gonna clean it off, and oh. he's gonna probably lick that. Oh my god! Three instances. That's the best. My cat's not sick right now. I don't think this has ever happened. Like I'm serious. This has never happened. Before. That's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick just... with my not editing the podcast and just say, yeah, your cat with a little bit of poop on his leg. So while you're doing that, I'm you're pretty near me, so I'm just gonna talk about like, uh. Who was it? I was just saying, Pete Holmes, they talks about, like, comedians are, like, this new era 
<laughs> this is so ridiculous. Of um, it's like this new era of rock stars in that it's people who just are coming out. You know, you take punk rock as this idea, where it's people saying like, "This is ex yeah, I know." It, it's people saying like, "This is one hundred percent who we are." We're being upfront with ourselves. We're saying like, "You have to accept us." out in the public and like get used to it and like it's these comedians coming out and saying like yeah rather than like hide behind comedy it's this new era of saying like nope i'm going to stand on my comedy as a platform as like a way to be out in the medium and say like no accept my mental health accept my flaws like yeah. i'm here get used to it and it's like this this new era of punk rock that is yeah. comedy and it's being playful about the like painful, vulnerable moments in life and being yeah. which I think is so healthy. Yeah. Like it's important to be dramatic at times too, but like because life is hard and it's important to like express it and like allow yourself to weep and all those things. Yeah. But, like being playful with your faults and playful with the like really shitty moments in your life and being able to laugh. Right. And it's it's coming around saying like it's you know, these comedians coming together saying like, hey, rather than avoiding divorce, <laughs> yeah. death, cancer, uh, war, like isolation because of your sexual preference whatever the story is that like is happening it's just saying like nope we're gonna talk about that in like and you're gonna feel the good feelings that come with joking and you're going to like have those feelings at the same time as you're talking about this thing that normally you feel uncomfortable and it's a yeah. gateway it's a gateway Draws into saying like in. learn to laugh and feel joy well, you talk about divorce. Learn to laugh and feel good yeah. as you talk about, my family doesn't accept me because I'm a lesbian. Yeah. Like, and that's what's so cool about it is it invites people to mm -hmm. laugh about the hard points. Not in like a kind of harsh, um, you know, harsh, resentful laugh. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the problem I have with uh, Louis C.K., even though he's really funny, is that Dude. I feel like after 30 minutes of listening to him... Like, You're just taking I, a shower. You're like, yeah. oh, that was so fucking funny. I've got to wash myself yeah. off. I'm a um, horrible person. And he's got a great, like, um, like truth gauge, and he kind of calls bullshit on lots of stuff that I are know, bullshit. I but I love yeah, that. I love him. But um, it kind of, like, it challenges the, like, suburban white kid with a guitar who's really emotional and dramatic about his life, like, right. part of my... <laughs> who I am and was like hey actually um, there's another way to handle these things right. okay so one of my favorite things that I, I like to talk about because we are getting near the end here yeah. which feels crazy uh, but I, I you're kind of hinting at this idea of like what is like another artistic like outlet for you because I think that it's it's so cool to see like I know I, I actually was thinking about this for you when I was getting ready for this but like I don't know what you're like other out artistic outlets are. I know what, like, your athletic outlets are. I know that you're, like, a very active and kind of, like, spur-of-the-moment person with those, but you also have a lot of uh, practice in that, that you do things regularly with, mm -hmm. like, these athletic pursuits. But, like, what do you feel like right now is an artistic outlet that has nothing to do with music? You're just like, sure. is that something? Is that comedy, like, listening to that? Or what does that look like oh, for you? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I feel like music has always been a tool for me to express what's happening yeah. it's like a um but i think for a for a while it was like a way to it was like this artificial way to try and make sense of it mm -hmm. like and to say it was okay when it wasn't yeah um and what it's as i've like cultivated i think the create like like i just recently applied to go back to school to study to become oh, yeah. a therapist totally so i feel like a lot of my creativity and intuition and 
um, I guess the sort of thing that goes along with like art that's important is like vulnerability and expressing mm-hmm. that and has really been in like going to therapy and reading about um, a lot of those things and learning and, mm. and learning how to, to, I feel like there's creativity involved with learning how to express what's happening in life yeah. and with yourself and listening to people's podcasts, listen, listening to comedy, listening to stuff that like helps me gain perspective and it feels like a creative process to me because you have to take space, you have to engage with yourself, you have to engage with others um, and then when I do that, it's interesting because my music gets better. Like, because mm. it's really just, um, music is only as good as, like, the engagement I'm having at the moment. So I feel like, mm. really, it's not, like, what's my other process? It's, like, what is, it's, like, how well am I engaging with, with, mm. with my life right now? And yeah. I feel the how are you interacting thing, with the world? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the awesome thing about therapy and about being more present and, and learning all those things about being a healthier person is that... Mm-hmm. That feels to me like where the energy's at these days. It's like, mm-hmm. and I'll play music if I feel like I want to play music. Yeah. But the energy and the creativity is happening more at the base level of who I am as a human. And like learning to creatively engage with, like the, I have a mantra that I've been telling myself, like how can I be um, curious and kind to myself? Mm-hmm. Or curious and kind with things that happen to me. And, and and to me, that's like that's what kids do. Like when there's something yeah. happens, they're like, "I'm curious about that," and and also the kindness part. Because as an adult, you get curious and resentful, or curious and bitter, mm, or curious yeah, and man. contemptuous, curious and kind. Yeah. So it's like, I, I want to use, and what that does when you're curious and kind is it engages your creativity. Yeah. It engages the part of you that's like, "Ooh, what's happening here?" Rather than like, this really painful thing happened. I'm going to be curious, but I'm going to hold myself and other people in contempt and try to figure out, why did this happen? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and it, it lets you not know. Like, yeah. I think you and I have talked about this before, about how, like, it's frustrating in this day and age where you're not, it's, you're not allowed to not know stuff. Yeah. And I feel like being curious and kind to yourself allows you, even if people around you aren't going to let you not know about things, you can say, like, I don't know about this, and I'm not going to respond with an, a bad feeling. It's just like, oh. Yeah. How curious. How interesting. Yeah. How novel. Yeah. Like, live into that and enjoy that. I love that. That's a that's great. Yeah. It allows you to, like, if somebody, if you hurt somebody and they're telling you about it, instead of, like, Don't hating be yourself or hating yeah. them, I'm going to be curious about what happened. I'm going to be kind to myself. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know. inqu- I'm going to, I'm interested. Yeah. Like, how good does that feel when someone, hurt, if you get hurt by somebody else and they're like, oh, I'm interested in learning more about how I hurt you. Yeah. Great. Please do that. Yeah. Cool, dude. That's tight. Well, thanks for coming and hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. You can do some fun things today? Um, what time is it? I don't know. It's like 11 11. Yeah, I'm going to play. <laughs> um, I totally forgot because it's such a great conversation. Um, <laughs> I'm playing softball at New Yeah, this is, this is fun. You are going to play softball. See? Yeah. Sports. I love softball. It's so fun. Yeah. Dude, you're, you're a good athlete. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's tight. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, I'm going to go up to Anacortes. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna head up pretty soon. Wait until Heather gets off work. It'll be nice. I had some really good salmon that was made in Anacortes recently. It was, it was like there. It was vacuum sealed. Okay. From it was a company, packaged. Company that <laughs> yeah. is in Anacortes. Made. Handmade yeah. salmon. <laughs> Yuck. Weird. They weaved it together. Anyways, dude, thanks so much for coming and hanging out. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love you a lot. Love you too. All right, cheers. Yeah.